Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. It's just a mindset. You know, I think we're kind of, you know, we we going to a, a, a fight thinking it's a fair fight and it's not you know they're doing whatever it takes to win and not that they're like doing anything dirty or nothing like that but they're doing whatever it takes to win and we're just kind of rolling in like oh yeah we'll box and and they slamming us nah i mean you got two teams that are battling that are just every possession is a fight (laughs) every possession is a fight they got their hampton five and we got our i don't know south beach five i guess (laughs) someplace over there All right, what is going on? Welcome to Canell and Bell hanging out. That was the stars of last night's game. Uh, You had Draymond Green, you had James Harden, and Mike D'Antoni talking about the performance last night. It was a fun game. Great game. Draymond Green right there. Uh, Before, we're going to get to a whole bunch of stuff. Reed Forgrave had some interesting comments on Kyrie Irving. uh, We're going to recap that game as well, Celtics-Bucks. we got to do some NFL stuff and question uh, some guys as they get older in their career. how uh, How do you address their love for the game? Can you still evaluate that? But... Last night's game uh, unfolds. I thought you could tell from the start it was going to be physical. Yep. Uh, if Draymond Green, who's speaking right there after the game, do you think there's anybody specifically he's calling out? Because he's saying we, which I like. But I feel like there's always a message that's sent to a couple different guys. And my g- question would be, do you think he's sending it to Durant, Steph Curry, or Clay Thompson? Or is it the role players? Um, I think if anybody, I, I don't know who he would be sending that to because my first thought would be the person who needs to hear that the most is Draymond Green. Mm. Draymond Green is their guy yep. who takes care of that type of stuff, especially in Boogie Cousins' absence. And we talked about, this is a whole other conversation, but Boogie and what he meant to them, it, it was a bit, there was more physicality and bite to Boogie than, than, than everybody else other than Draymond. So in Boogie's absence, Draymond, that's your job. Like your job is to be the enforcer, to be the one that even if it's getting a tech, uh, you, you got to go out there and you've got to set the tone physically. And I feel like in this series right now, PJ Tucker is out Draymonding Draymond. Mm-hmm. You know, like he is setting the tone, his hands everywhere on every loose ball. He's tipping every extra rebound. He's getting all the dirty work done. Um, he's defending. He's physical. And so if anyone needs to hear it, to your to your question to me, I think that if anyone needed to hear that, it would be Draymond. So I couldn't imagine who else he'd be speaking to. So I also have some. You were right. I was wrong. And I'm glad you were because actually yesterday at the end of the show, I was like, I think the Warriors are going to take this one. Uh, you said the Rockets. When we got home and actually it was time to put some money, I was like, yeah. I'm going to listen to Raja. He probably knows a little <laughs> bit more about this than me. So I took the Rockets in the game. I texted you and said, Steph Curry's total is at 24 and a half. What do you think you should do? You said over. I took that. Yep. I took the under in the game and it actually hit the number. So it was a push. So okay. I had a nice night last night as far as that goes. But – when you watch this game unfold, like you've always said, you've always hinted at the NBA can not fix games, but they want to see certain outcomes. Do you think <laughs> the way the game was officiated, it was a message that, hey, we're going to favor the Rockets in this situation? Or do you think it's home court? Like, why do you think it was a more physical game and they let them play? I don't know. I don't think that letting it be more physical necessarily favors the Rockets. I don't think that the NBA can determine that, you know, so... I'm reluctant to say that, that that was done to get more games out of this series. I just think that they decided for one reason or another, and it was clear that they were going to let that 
kind of play out last night. They were going to allow some physicality. Um, you know, and in that space, the Rockets punched first. And, you know, it's kind of cliche, it's corny, but usually the team that comes out and punches first and is more aggressive, mm-hmm. it's across the spectrum of sports, they win games. They're, you know, and so, you know, I thought Golden State was on their heels a little bit. It took both teams a minute to kind of settle in. It was sloppy off the bat. Yep. But once they settled in, I thought Houston was the team that, that established the way that game was going to be played, the tenor of the game and the way it was going to be played. And I think by the time Golden State got around to it, because they are really good, Danny, offensively, and they almost reeled them in, but it was too little too late. Yep. You know? Yep. There, there was just something like a sense of urgency, too. And you would expect that from the team that's down in the series that needs sure. this or they're going back to Golden State. I thought Steve Kerr had an interesting comment after. He said, they've got a bunch of middle linebackers on that team. They're sturdy, and we're like volleyball players, long and lean. Everybody tries to be physical with us because they should that's the best way to try to beat us. I think that's interesting because he's basically giving you the formula to beat them. I agree with him because anytime you try to imitate what the Warriors are going to do, they're the best in the world at shooting threes, playing finesse, ball movement. They're the best at that. But when they get bullied a little bit, that is when they get susceptible, much like LeBron James when he beat them with the Cavs. Correct. That was the style they played. Are you surprised that Kerr is like admitting this or is it already known? No, I think that Steve Kerr, those are subtle. That's a subtle way to go about trying to get the officiating cleaned up right where Houston came out after game one and there was no subtlety about it it was in your face we we demand you change the way you're making calls that's Steve's Kerr's way of putting the NBA on alert hey they're they're bully balling us and you guys are allowing it to happen we would like you to do something about it right it's just your taste whether you want to be up front with it or you want to hide it in in shrouded like messages like they've got middle linebackers um what what Houston does to them is so Houston switches everything and, and there's another series that that's happening in right now when you're used to being like a pace and, and space kind of team where, you know, there's a lot of ball movement, there's a lot of player movement, um, and that's creating open looks. When you face a team that's really good at switching and, you know, they switch to take something away and they, they catch you on the underneath so you're not slipping to the basket so you don't get those easy buckets, it forces you to have to go one-on-one. It forces you to devolve into a one-on-one team. Kevin Durant's really good at it. That's not really Clay Thompson's game. It's not Draymond's game. Steph can do it a little bit, although he's out of practice because the ball's in, in, in KD's hands most of the time. And it's way more fatiguing as an offensive player to have to go one-on-one every trip down the court. You couple that with Houston has a bunch of guys that you got to guard. Steph Curry can hide a lot of times. You hit him on Matthew Dellavedova when we played him. Mm-hmm. You hide him on a guy. you know. And I love Steph, but I, I think even Steph would tell you like that's probably not the best part of his game. There's, there's no hiding some of those guys, right? You've got Austin Rivers that comes in and gets buckets and goes one-on-one. Yep. You've got Eric Gordon that gets buckets and can beat you one-on-one. Chris Paul, I, I would like for him to do it a little more. I think I watched him last night. He's not as good at it anymore, but he could still do it. You got to guard him. And so you couple having to go one-on-one yourself offensively with then having to guard somebody on the other end of the court. And you see guys that are a little bit more fatigued than they're used to being. They're, 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 Beat up right now. You uh, said you thought Steph Curry would go over 24 and a half points. I did too. I just needed that positive affirmation <laughs> there to go ahead and take the bet. Right. Uh, the reason was he's coming off a bad game. He's been taking some criticism. I thought the Warriors themselves as a team would be like, hey, we got to get Steph more involved. Right. Do you think it hurt them at all? Because in the first quarter, it was so evident they were to get Steph his looks and he popped off like four, like four shots in a row. He wound up, do you think it hurt them to get away from KD a little bit earlier in the game? No. No, I, it was I, fine. I, I think it was fine, and I think they should further get away from KD. Um, and they should really focus on getting Steph Curry, and I said it before. You get Steph Curry, um, and now you've you got him cooking. 
You have to continue to run some of that stuff that you ran last night. Now find your Clay Thompson package, whatever that is in your playbook, and integrate some of that into game five. So now we're going to run some stuff for Clay. We're going to run some stuff for uh, Curry. We're going to run some stuff for Clay. We're going to run some stuff for Curry. I, I, I'm not supporting the notion that both of them are, are better than Kevin Durant and they give you a better chance to win. But Kevin Durant is so good independently in ISO situations that you don't have to run anything for him. Just give him the ball and get out of the way. There's plenty of time in a game for that. Make sure that these two are in a good space and that they're playing well. Establish that so that they, they have a flow. And then when you need to ride Kevin Durant's brilliance to a championship or to a win, you can do that. But by just coming out and going straight ISO Kevin Durant, you're sacrificing a lot of other guys that need to have 18 to 25 points for you to win. Yep, for, uh, for sure when you look at that. Um, with the game, you were one of the people. You said, don't panic. They still have to go back to Houston. So now that the series is back on track, now it turns into a best of three. Do you think anything has shifted, like a major shift, like Houston now? Maybe you like them more? Or do you still think Golden State is the favorite? Or do you like Houston even more now? I think I, I picked Golden State to win in seven. I'm going to stick with that because it's really hard to come back from 0-2. The numbers don't support teams doing that very often. So I'm just going to stay with the numbers. Um, but what I will tell you is the, 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 that dynamic that we talk about in terms of like the, the, uh, the pressure and the way that it swings from game to game and from result to result in, yep. a, in a playoff series. That, back on that, Golden that, State, that pendulum right? has swung dramatically. Yep. It is, it is win, or kind of die. It's like a must win for Golden State. Right. You want to win at home. You have to take care of home because then you're going back to Houston. You haven't won a game in Houston. Um, and you, you could get closed out there. You, you faced that to some degree last year and you survived because of an injury. So the pressure is squarely on Golden State's shoulders. What they have going for them is I think human nature kind of comes into play with Houston. I think there'll be some sort of letdown, mm-hmm. right? And from their perspective, they'll play better. You, you've, you've won two. You've taken care of home court. Uh, it was do or die. You dodge the bullet. You're going to exhale. And if you're Golden State, now you're in the position that they were in. So you are going to have heightened sense of awareness. You are going to be more dialed in. You're going to be, you know, win or go home mentality. I don't think Houston will have that. So I think Golden State will have the edge. They'll probably win the series. I think it'll be interesting to see what the Warriors do this season as far as how it impacts their future. By the way, they're a five and a half point favorite. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are when yeah. they go back uh, at home. But like when we saw LeBron and his final series and they got beat and he got knocked out, it was like, oh, okay, now, you know, like, does he come back? Does that make him leave? And it didn't look like they, you know, they looked like they were overwhelmed. So he left. The Warriors now could be dealing with a quote seismic change. That's according to Woj, uh, with Kevin Durant probably already deciding to leave. Now they've got a decision to make with Clay Thompson. Do they make, do they give him a max offer and decide, all right, Steph and him are your pair now? You got Boogie Cousins who seems like he might want to come back. Right. But in any case, you're looking at a completely different team, especially without Kevin Durant. I mean, this is kind of what we all knew though, isn't it? You can't keep the super team intact forever. So I don't think it's that surprising. Yeah. I don't know that anyone should be taken, uh, you know, back by, by the possibility that they break up. What, here's what I know about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is is very aware of, of of what's going on from day to day. You know, he's in comments. He is on Twitter. Right. You mean legacy, what people are saying about him. Yeah, and so I, I only say that to say that I think Kevin Durant kind of flies by the seat of his pants to some degree. So I'm not saying – I don't believe that Kevin Durant has made his decision already. I do believe that there's an opportunity for Golden State to come in, win, lose, or draw down the stretch here and really make a pitch and make some sort of case to keep him in Golden State. So I don't think it's a done deal for KD. The Clay Thompson thing is going to come down to max money, I imagine, for Clay. 
problem with that is Clay's not a number one. Right. He's a really good number two, but he's not a number one. Um, and so, you know, it, that's going to be what speaks to him, whether you give him the max or not. And then Boogie, you know, again, that's money. Like, because Boogie, in his mind, he's like, okay, I did the one-year deal. I did it on the arm. I gave you a freebie. What's up? Golden State's like, well, we didn't get to see a whole lot. Like, we don't know what you look like. You tore your quad, so we don't want to throw the bank at you. You know, so those two are going to come down to money. KD, uh, I think it's going to come down to a, a real, like, relationships, um, legacy, and things like that. And I think that's a fluid conversation with him sometimes. So I, I think this was Boogie could get back for the finals, for the NBA finals. He could be healthy enough to get back. Yeah. I don't think the Warriors have to have him back. I think Boogie would be bigger for him if he's able to come back, show he's healthy, and contribute for him moving forward, whether it's with the Warriors or somebody else, I think people need to see him, that he's healthy off the Achilles a year ago and off this quad recently, that they're going to want to see a healthy Boogie out there. Before I get to that, do you, you don't think Boogie – you're Boogie in the series right now. Valuable well, that, but, for, for – for Yeah, but that, since it's not there, once they get through the series, I don't think they need him. <laughs> they already won. They're like to me, it's just like icing on the cake. If, I've said all year, uh, I think the Warriors are going to win it all. It's a done deal, and I haven't changed unless they lose KD or Steph. Yeah, which and they probably might. I'd probably say they could lose Steph and still win it. I think as long as KD is healthy, I think they're going to win it all. Um, uh, yeah, I, I picked. Pick, I, pick, I picked them to win it too. Um, I agree with you in that Boogie really needs to come back. I would like to see that for Boogie. Um, if he could do that, that would substantially help him. In, in his ability to, to sign as a free agent. I do think though, however, Golden State really does need him. I, I think he is a, he is a body. Um, they are not very deep when those. For the finals or for, for the finals. finals yeah. They, when they were winning their, that, that original team, right? You had, you know, Andrew Bogut. You had, um, you had Leandro Barbosa. You had Sean Livingston. You had Andre Iguodala. All of those guys were coming off the bench at that time. You know, you're going nine deep. You're right. you're throwing bodies at people. They don't do that anymore. They, they, they can't. They, they don't. They don't have bodies. So, like purely from a body count, you, you need him. And then he's he's a big physical presence at the rim that is is lacking. And when if you draw a card like let's say Milwaukee, if you don't have anything protecting that rim, you have a problem, Houston. Right, you have a right. real problem because that cat is coming at the basket. And so that's, that becomes a real matchup issue. So, you know, I know that Boogie needs it, but man, Golden State could really use having Boogie back as insurance. Are you surprised, are you surprised at the reports that the Golden State Warriors would prioritize Clay Thompson over Kevin Durant? I think that to me, cause Kevin Durant, there's something about him. It's like he's always been an adopted kid. He's not a part of the original crew. Right. He's not like he was added and he's been, you know, he's the best player right now on their team and he means the most, but it's not that surprising that they would prioritize Clay Thompson over Kevin Durant. And I think it's also them saying, cause with the whole Draymond thing, like I don't think they've loved that Durant hasn't been willing to commit to them. And so, either verbally, you know, throughout the season, so they're like, "Well, this guy hasn't been all in." Clay Thompson has throughout his entire career, so we're gonna we're gonna make him feel good. Correct. He loves us unconditionally. Yeah. And Kevin Durant does not. So I'm going to choose to put my love into that one. Right. right. And that's the way that works. And and you know, if you if you were talking about you know if it were in a vacuum and it was who's a better player and who would you want to 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 try to win a championship with, you go with KD. There are a lot of factors involved, and he hasn't committed to them. He has been very aloof with. Whether or not he's going to to stay, or whether he what his plans are, and those guys they 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 understand the situation. So Clay has they were winning championships before KD got there. And I, I'm gonna say this again: I know KD's awesome, and he's probably the best player on the planet right now. 
what those guys were doing it before he got there, and a lot of them have taken a step back in terms of what they can do to accommodate what he does. I'm not saying they would can. I don't know what they'd be without him right now, but I know it was looking really, really good without him. Yep. You know what I mean? Oh, so, for sure. You know, if if you're gonna act like that and you can't commit to us, I'm just gonna go back to what we did and try to put the pieces around that, build our bench back up, and do it the way we did it before we got you. Yep. I hope he leaves because I think it'd be great for the NBA. I think you spread them out, you break up the super team somewhat, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you got all these teams would be much more evenly matched, and it makes the regular season more compelling. It makes the playoffs more compelling. I think you see a much better product overall for the entirety of the NBA. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? I'm a, I'm a basketball player. Um, you know, prepare the right way. Uh, like I said, it's uh, it's a little different when you know your your rhythm is challenged every play down. You know, for me, the 22 shots. You know, I should have shot 30. You know, it, it really I'm not great of a shooter. So I, I think that just the consistency of just going at it, staying aggressive, is always going to put us in a great position. All right, welcome back to Canelo Bell. That was Kyrie Irving talking about his performance last night, which was pretty rough, struggled from the field. That's what he's talking about. Uh, you can never say the word, who cares? You just can't. <laughs> In the lexicon of professional sports, as a professional athlete who makes millions of dollars, yeah. that phrase should never be uttered, who cares? I understand what he was trying to say. Correct. But a lot of fans aren't that intelligent sometimes, and they'll take something and they'll run with it. And if you have an attitude of what appears to be indifference, they and especially in a town like you know the white the was blue collar white blue collar blue, blue collar, collar town yeah. like hey, watch out like, sir. they do not want to hear yes. who cares they want to hear man I'm dying to win I understand what he's trying to get the point across is hey I'm gonna like shoot or shoot yeah water off a duck's shoot. back exactly right. but I thought it sounded really bad well, after a really rough game yeah and then you know when you say you should have thought shot thirty shots right yeah that's not a good pairing of 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 um. Of remarks, especially again, this was one of those teams that predicated themselves on a lot of people being able to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Last year in the playoffs, with a run that no one saw coming, minus Gordon Hayward and Kyrie, it was by committee. It was a bunch of guys getting after it, sharing the ball, playing up tempo, playing hard, you know, getting to the basket. All of that changes now because of you. Mm-hmm. Like we're now going to stand around and watch Kyrie kind of play with the ball, and if he decides to spoon feed us. He'll spoon feed us. If he wants to shoot, he'll shoot. You don't then get to go out there and talk about you should have shot 30 shots. There are dudes sitting in the locker room right now like, word? <laughs> right. Like you, you went 7 for 22, you should have shot 30? When, when some of them had decent games, you're talking about, you know, Jason Tatum, 6 for 14 for 17. Marcus Morris, 5 for 10, 18. Al Horford, 8 for 16 tw- for 20. Um, Jalen Brown, 5 for 11. All of those dudes are shooting right around 50%. The only people that weren't were you going 7 for 22. Gordon Hayward, one for five, and Marcus Smart, one for seven. Don't get up there and say you should have shot 30 times. Yep, I thought it was a really bad look. What are you seeing from uh, from Milwaukee, or is it just Kyrie's having an off night? Um, Milwaukee has decided that they are just going to play faster. Right. The answer in the first game from Boston was being able to get loaded you know, to the ball. We talked about it yesterday, kind of getting that defense set, all eyes on Giannis, catch him as he comes to the rim, put a bunch of bodies around him, be physical. Um and when the tempo is relatively slow, you can do that because it requires time to get back and get set. Well, Milwaukee was like, well, if we just keep pushing the ball, they can't, you know, they can't keep getting back. And so Milwaukee is going faster and faster and faster. Um, and it's just putting a ton of pressure on the Celtics because they got them all spread out. And some of the bad shots that the Celtics are shooting fuel that even further because then those are transition rim runs for Giannis and company um, and it's a snowball effect.
Is the series a wrap? 3-1 going back to Milwaukee. Correct. You think, you think it's done? It's a wrap. Uh, there's no hope. Uh, so does that mean this is last Kyrie's last game in Boston? I'm a not, lot of people are speculating. Oh, no, because I'm not, I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to get in game, in game, uh, five. Yeah. I could see a scenario where, where Boston goes in there and beats them. Right. Boston is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They've been that way all year. So they could go in and be a really good version of themselves. Most of my my gut tells me they're going to kind of fracture because that's what they've done all year. Uh, but I could see them going back and Milwaukee closing them in seven. So I'm not sure that he's played his last game in Boston, but they are going to lose the series. So tell me if I'm right on this analogy, because I think the Steelers last year in the NFL were the most underachieving team with the talent they had. And yeah. I thought a lot of it came because of locker room dissension, locker room issues. Throughout the year, you've heard the Celtics complain. You know, Kyrie's called out the younger guys for lack of experience, and we have to got to pick it up. You've got other guys saying, we're just not having fun. Like, there have been a lot of seemingly issues from within the locker room. Do you agree with that analogy and whose fault yeah. is it? Yeah, I think, I think that's like where a, does, where does Brad very Stevens in come into the picture here? Because he's always been this darling of the NBA and I love Brad Stevens. I, I think he's great. I think but, it's at, fair. but at some point, somebody has to take ownership. Be like, you can't pin it all on Kyrie, even though he had a bad game and he's the alpha. He's the one on that team. Yep. Like Brad Stevens is kind of getting a pass here because Kyrie has taken so much of the heat. Brad, Brad Stevens has to be squarely, uh, under the, you know, in the crosshairs in this conversation. Um, he got he heaped praise by by everyone. I even heaped praise on him. I thought he was fantastic, you know, last year. But you know, we talked about this also when Danny Ainge has to share some of the responsibility. You brought in a player like Kyrie. Not only did it just kind of go against the grain of what you guys did, like what what your DNA was as an offensive team, um, but it went against the grain of what you were start starting to establish as a culture. And you didn't know, or you should have known, that Brad Stevens was going to have trouble managing that personality. That's not Brad's strong suit. Like you should have probably known that that personality may have been outside of the mold of everything else you had in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um so you got Danny Ainge. Yes, you you have the 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 coach or the manager and Brad Stevens. Uh Kyrie is just doing what Kyrie does. You know, and so while he hasn't played great and it's easy to blame him, that's what he's always done. It's the player he's always been wherever he's gone. Tigers don't change their stripes. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yes, some some fault is on him, but more so on the guys who brought him there and basically enabled him to do what he does wherever he's been, and it's not the recipe for Boston. And I think you got to give – look, it's not Gordon's fault. I want to be fair to Gordon. Gordon. Two points in the game. Gordon's been bad. Yeah. Gordon's been bad. And, you know, I've said this before. Do you think it's injury-related still? I, I, I don't think it's the actual injury. I think it's the cumulative effect that the injuries had on him. Um, I think his, his legs are probably beat up a little bit. Um, I think he's, he's probably been on a roller coaster ride of emotion and confidence this year. I think a lot of that has sorted itself out next year when he has a whole nother summer to get in shape and, and see the ball go through the hoop and realize that he's got his lift back in his legs. Plus, I think the situation there with all of those young guns that are really, really good, Gordon's looking around feeling a little insecure about that. Yeah. So, but he's not blameless in this either. So potential MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, was awesome last night. I saw him. I love the passion he plays with him, and he was kind of rubbing it in the Celtics' face. Yeah. Afterwards, uh, listen to what transpired uh, at the podium. Uh, Marcus Smart returned to the game tonight. So does he made any impact on the game tonight? <laughs> Marcus Smart? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Marcus Smart is a great player. All right, if you had trouble hearing it, yeah. the reporter asked. Yeah. She said, what did you think of Marcus Smart's return and what impact he had on the game? You love the box scores. You're always That's yeah. what he has in front of him. He looks down. Giannis looks down at the box score and, like, looks for Marcus Smart 
And it was an unbelievable troll job because he looked at him and basically was like, yeah, I don't even see him on here. Like, he didn't even do anything. Allow me. But didn't, but didn't say it. Phenomenal. One for seven. One for seven threes. Uh, one rebound. Two assists. Two turnovers. And a minus 13 plus minus. Second lowest on the team. Or second. <laughs> right. So, and I, you said before, you said that the Celtics might actually be better off without Marcus Smart. You yeah. Said that a couple times. I'm not throwing shade at Marcus right. Smart. I'm kind of throwing shade at the reporter for asking a stupid question. Yes. What? He didn't have any effect on the damn game. Right. It was effectless. He was a negative effect on the ball. That's team. where I'm a kind of okay. Cause I don't want to make sure I'm not a hypocrite. Cause I don't like when Joel Embiid takes shots at dudes and he laughs and he's like disrespectful Correct. to dudes. I think more of that was Giannis not only trolling Marcus Smart, but he was also trolling the, the reporter, reporter who asked like, the question. What are you talking about? Right. Exactly. Uh, where I thought Marcus would help them, Danny, is those seven shots redistributed allow for a better flow, if you will. You know, one less mouth to feed on a team that's had chemistry issues offensively, sometimes a good thing, provided he's not your your, your main guy. They do miss his grit and hit the hustle plays, those 50-50 balls, um, the, 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 you know, the emotional lift that he gives that team. They miss all of that. But offensively, I thought the subtraction – was addition by subtraction to some degree. Um, you know, it's it's kind of late. It's hard to plug a guy in who's been injured. He's been sitting around for two and a half weeks. Plug him into playoff series and expect him to be right. You know, playing well. So that's a little unfair to him. But that was fantastic. I, that was awesome. And I think that's the way you handle it too, rather than yeah. I mean, it was just kind of like yeah, it was real subtle. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do here? It's still gonna piss off Marcus Smart, which I'm okay with. But like, you're yeah, like, hey, you're Giannis. You can do that. You run away with it. Correct. So I think it's interesting because. The Celtics have no answer for Giannis in the middle, in the paint specifically. But you've seen this trend of the NBA to move away from bigs to kind of go to the you know the three and D and to get smaller and smaller. And now they've got a guy who does it all, and you're seeing the struggles of the team. But I thought it was interesting you said earlier you don't think Boogie could you know specifically for this team. That's when Boogie Cousins, if the Warriors do make the finals, that's where they could use his presence in the middle. Because if you look at him in the last three games. Like in the paint, he is destroying them. Oh seven for seven on his dunks, obviously. Less than five feet, he's 24 or 32. And when he gets to the line, he's not bad for a big to uh, shoot 36 of 50 from the free throw line. Like he's unstoppable. He really is. He is. He's an absolute problem. <laughs> Imagine if he starts developing a better jump shot. Well, here's the deal. I don't know if anyone, you know, we're fascinated by the amount of points that he scored in the paint, and rightfully so, because everything you have in opposition to him is trying to keep him out of the paint, and he just continues to spin and get to the front of the rim. Uh, he's a gifted, gifted passer. But what you saw last night, it was subtle. He's starting to shoot jump shots, and he's not starting to shoot. It's not the ones where they're daring him to shoot, and he's like pawing at it and pawing at it and pawing at it, and then he's just forced to shoot. There are a couple where he comes off a of pin downs, just takes one dribble and shoots a three. And look, that's a step in three right there. Those, th that's huge growth. He's shooting, he's got a nice little float game. Um, I say this to my son all the time. He's still a baby. He's a baby. He's a baby. You know, I'm trying to round out a, a young player's game. And my son is like, well, you know, dad, I'm, mi I'm missing, sh I'm missing the shot. So I don't care if you miss the shot. I want you to start shooting the shot, recognizing when it's open and when it's available and when it's appropriate and being ready to squeeze. Your mindset should see a shot and shoot a shot. And eventually you'll get confident in it going in. But first you got to recognize when you're open, when it's appropriate for you to get the shot off, right? Yep. So I think you're seeing Giannis start to look at these shots and not be afraid of them. And that's the step. Yep. It's not making them all the time right now. It's seeing them, getting confident enough to squeeze them, and then the more work he does in the offseason, he'll start to make them. And that is scary, bro. When he does that, it's a wrap. Here's the problem. I would touch one thing. Yep. I said DeMarcus Cousins would help them. I, I don't know if he helps them. Because what, what they've done in Milwaukee 
kind of contradictory to what Boston did by bringing in a piece that doesn't work with what they got. They've surrounded this dude with bigs that are nowhere near the rim. Nikola Mirotic, find me out at the three-point line. Uh, Brooke Lopez, find me out at the three-point line. Uh, Ersan Ilyasova, find me out at the three-point line. So Boogie's man is going to be out there like 20 feet away from the basket, and he, Boogie's going to have to choose either Giannis at the rim or one of those snipers out at, at at the wing, and that's tough for bigs to have to do. Yeah, it's going to present some problems for sure. It should be fun. Maybe we'll see that matchup uh, unfold if the Bucks continue to take care of business the way they have. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell hanging out. We were just talking about the uh, Bucks Celtics series and Giannis's domination and Kyrie's disappearance in that game, and his who cares comment after. Well, our colleague Reed Forgrave blasted Kyrie last week, and I thought it was a pretty fair assessment, and I would probably tend to agree if you look historically at Kyrie Irving, but Reed. You tweeted last night, a team with Kyrie Irving as its best player can never win a title. Back your tweet up. Look, first of all, look at yesterday's game, right? Like, he was trash. He was trash on the offensive end. He was 7 of 22, 23 points. Didn't move the ball around. But he was worse on the defensive end. And then worse than all of that is he comes out, not just with this who cares comment, but, you know, you can put that in context. It's maybe a little bit different in context. But then he says, oh, I, I took 22 shots. I could have taken 30. Is that what you want to hear from your leader? I, I mean, look, Kyrie Irving is hes a transcendent talent. I could watch that guy dribble the ball around all day long. Uh, he, he's clearly made the big shots in the big games when he had a b- better player next to him, by the way, in LeBron James. Uh, but I don't think he's a winner. When it comes down to it, like, Raja, do do you want to be playing alongside a guy who says that after he goes out and plays like that? Yeah, you've got a really good point. Like, I've questioned uh, Kyrie's uh, leadership, you know, on the the program before. I think he's got a lot of room to grow in in that space as a player. Um, He is super talented. I guess, Reed, the question I'll ask you is, you know, he's got this opt-out. He's got a player option this summer. You know, there's a lot of speculation as to what the C's do, whether they're back in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes or, or, or whatever to pair him with Kyrie or, you know, what do you think the C's should do? Not Kyrie. Like if you're running the Celtics, um, and you don't believe he's a championship alpha, what do you, what do you do? If you can get Anthony Davis and you can trade away, let's say you can trade Tatum and a few other pieces, some picks, uh, maybe Marcus Smart, who knows? But like Tatum as the centerpiece of a trade to get Anthony Davis. Then, then you're cooking, man. Then Kyrie's the second best player on the team. Kyrie can win titles as the second best player on the team. I absolutely believe that when he's not the alpha dog, when he doesn't have to be the best player out there. But if you're going to give the dude a max contract and be like, we're just going to run this back. We're going to do exactly what we did this year and just have faith that 27 year old Kyrie Irving is going to turn a new leaf as a leader. I don't want that. And look, if you're the if you're the New York Knicks and you get a chance to get both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, yeah, you jump at that, right? Uh, you can win a title with those two guys as your centerpiece because again, Kyrie Irving is not the best player on that team, and I think that is ultimately what it comes down to. The only teams that he's had that have lived up to expectations have been the ones where he had LeBron next to him. Is there any other situation you would see him possibly going to that would make sense for Kyrie to be that secondary player besides the Knicks? I got one. 
I got one. What do you got? What about the Lakers, baby? What about oh, the Lakers? Oh, the, the reunion. It's like, it's, it's like, it's not like he just like broke up with a girlfriend and decided to get back with her if that's what he happened. Kyrie straight up divorced his wife with LeBron James and then to go back to Los Angeles, it would be, you ever see the show Justified? It's like he gets back together with his ex-wife. Awesome. The drama there would be fantastic. I, they proved they can work together. Um, I, and I, I do think the Lakers, I know they were a, an absolute shipwreck this season. Uh, and for good reason. But you add Kyrie to that mix, and you get LeBron as the clear alpha dog, plus that other young core around him. I mean, why not, man? And plus, at the very least, it'll be a spectacle. That's what we love, right? Yes, it would. I mean, Showtime Lakers will have a new name for a different reason. It's yeah. like not the Showtime on the court. It's the Showtime off the court with all this drama that surrounds them. I love it. I hope it happens. Reed, appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. Yes, all right, great stuff from Reed Forgrave. As always, make sure you give him a follow at Reed Forgrave on Twitter. Uh, moving over to the NFL. Cam Newton had surgery uh, this offseason to address his shoulder, which the dude is a big physical specimen, sure. and he's been able to endure a lot throughout the NFL. I think it finally caught up to him this past season. Remember we were talking on this show about – he didn't even know. He's like, man, I just need, I just want to figure it out. Right. He was trying to play through a lot of pain. So he does. It gets the surgery. Now he said he's feeling great. Uh, he said, if I feel like I do have full strength right now, but, uh, me telling the doctor that is different than, you know, whatever the clearance process may be. So Carolina, they actually drafted Will Greer in the third round, uh, quarterback. I think it was a surprise to some people that they took him at that spot. I thought Ryan Finley, who plays right in the same state at NC State, would have been a better option in the fourth round. Could have got him cheaper. Right. But Cam Newton, I think, is handling this perfectly. I don't think – I saw a couple local uh, interviews he did. He said, hey, this is great. Adds depth to the position. Sure. And they're like, do you feel threatened? He's like, nope. And he's like, I'm, I'm Cam Newton. Right. right. <laughs> he should have gone with yeah. the Kevin Durant. Just opened up yeah. the- he should have done that and been like, I'm Cam Newton. Know like who the, I the am. Kevin Durant line that he did. Uh, but he called him, reached out to him. I think he's handling this really impressively. But the thing is, I don't see any reason to feel threatened. I know Coca's going nuts right now because Coca thinks Will Greer, is, our producer, thinks Will Greer is going to be a star in the NFL. I just think a third rounder. If it was a first round pick, then I'd be like, uh oh, yeah. maybe I'm not being all Mr. Nice Guy to this one who's taking my job. They don't have any backups on the squad of note. Uh, Taylor Heineke and somebody else who I don't think I could ever even seen him play before. Right. Um, so they needed a backup. They need depth at the position. And I think this is what you should do if you're Cam Newton. Yeah, obviously you you have to, if you're the franchise, you have to find yourself a backup. And if I'm being fair um, to my franchise, I, I have to start preparing for what could be if Cam doesn't come back and 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 look like himself. I mean, that's, that's just what you have to do. You have to protect your future. I'm not saying that I want to move on from Cam Newton. I'm not saying that Cam Newton hasn't done enough to be the face of my franchise going forward. But what if... He comes off of this shoulder surgery. Right. And he's not himself. And we're never going to get back to what he was. You have to have that, that secession plan or you have to start to cultivate it, right? So they're just doing what they need to do. And good for Cam. Like I, you know, for all of Cam's, you know, he's got people that don't love him. He's got people that, that I have, like, I, I think he's kind of like LeBron. I love some of the stuff he does. Yeah. Some of the stuff he does drives me nuts. And that's fair. I mean, right. that's, you know, that you could say that about most human beings. Bro, oh, but he got this one right. Yeah. Like, if you are the if you are the veteran, the established star, the guy who's who's the face of the franchise and you've got this young guy coming in in the third round, 
you know, it is your job to kind of take him under the wing, um, and kind of, you know, welcome him to the city, welcome him to the team. And, you know, that should be a guy that eats dinner with you and your family from time to time, at least in the NBA, because that's a smaller circle. But, but you know, quarterbacks are a small circle. Yeah. Like you're, quarterback rooms, you hear that term all the time, quarterback room. It is an important room of the team. Like if, when you break off, because when you install the game plan and when you do, like when you do the big team meeting, it's everybody. Yeah. Then you split off as an offense and then you get even smaller and you go in the quarterbacks and you guys hang a lot together. It's watching extra film. Sure. It's the weight room, usually lift together. Maybe you go out and throw a few extra balls. And a lot of times, you know what you do? Go golf with each other. Absolutely. Go hang out. You know, you hang out with each other's families. You develop relationships. So you want to have a healthy, maybe even fun. Like that can be a great thing. If you have a sure. fun quarterback room, that can make life a lot better. And I think that makes you a better team and a better quarterback if you have a group that's good. Absolutely. And lead, you know, those are leadership qualities, like good leaders. You know, they're not threatened like that. I, I, when I got to Philadelphia, Eric Snow was already in place. He was a point guard. Aaron McKee was kind of the backup two kind of hybrid guard. You know, both of those guys could have very easily looked at me and been like, man, I, you know, I'll do everything I can to keep him. No, those dudes were my mentors, man. Those guys looked after me. They, you know, Eric Snow would have me over for dinner with his, his wife and his mom and, and, you know, make sure that I was, that I was okay in a new city. And, you know, they really took me under wings. And, you know, that's important. That's integral to like keeping a successful franchise running is having good vets to take care of those young guys and raise them, right? So when it's their turn to be on that stage, they can, they can, they can reciprocate and they can do it for someone else. You know what I mean? Do you think, so when you were playing, did you reach out to new signees and stuff? Cause I don't, I, I didn't, but it was kind of different. Not everybody had uh, like access well, all the time. When a guy walked in, I'd be like, Hey man, how you doing? I'm Danny Cannell. Like, nice to meet you. It's great to have you on board. Then maybe I'd trade numbers, but like the night of the draft, like, no. or, you know, like in the week, I would wait till the guy was actually yeah. in the building. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't to reach out to you, try to get your number and stuff like that. But, but when I saw you and, and look, you don't get along with all of them. Right. So you got to see if your personalities are cool with each other, right? Right. Somebody I want to kick it with or I want to have over to my house. And if, you know, if he's a, if he's a poop butt, maybe I'm not wasting <laughs> my time. Exactly. You know, but just, but I was, and then not you don't go out. golfing after, right. you know, you just try to make things work. But then right. again, it's like, I wasn't the face of the franchise though. That is true. That is true. But like it is, it is similar to people that like, like oftentimes then the professional sports are very similar to work environments. Yeah. And everybody knows you have an office and you go to work with people. There's some people that you just don't like. And if you have to sit next to them at lunch, it gets awkward and you're like, do I have to sit next to that person or whatever? <laughs> we have to go to this meeting. Do I have to work with this person? Right. It's the same way in professional sports. Yeah. You might have that person. Who's that? Who you, who's that here? Oh. Ah. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask like in my career who was that one. <laughs> I love it. Our producer's like, break now, break now, break now before we uh, throw anybody else under the bus uh when we go up to new york which we are going to new york by the way if you're listening to us we are going to be at beth page black yeah. uh for the pga championship we'll be there wednesday thursday friday live shows it's gonna be a ton of fun are you man. taking your clubs wait. we can get uh, around somewhere up there you know they have all those hookups because beth page has like the oh, black horse the blue i played them all i wonder if we can sneak out on those yeah, you get out on the green or the blue oh, that'd be kind of nice all right we're definitely bringing them yeah, now red yellow all right yeah we can bring a camera on like they did on the tnt guys do you see charles barkley oh my and they god. had the laser i don't know if we're gonna get that type oh, of uh, coverage my god. a little shot we... tracer technology <laughs> that was unbelievable <laughs> um all right the raiders trying to change the culture of that locker room so they said when they drafted several clemson players hey this is great and i totally agree mm-hmm. against great philosophy they brought in josh jacobs from alabama yep Winning programs, guys that have played in college, they've won championships, they played under demanding coaches who, you know, in different aspects. You got Saban, who's, you know, more demanding and the let's get to work, discipline, and then you get the Clemson guys with Dabo who are still disciplined, but they have a little bit more fun, they preach family. So right. you got these good character traits coming into your locker room. But, then you go, you trade for Antonio Brown, who's definitely been questionable as far as a teammate, the way he uh, threw under the bus some of his teammates. Now you could argue whether it was justified or not, but that's a good argument. But now they're potentially hiring or signing 
Richie Incognito, uh. Uh, offensive lineman, who probably his biggest, most infamous incident was when the bullying incident took place in the Miami Dolphins with Jonathan Martin, and he yeah. was one of the ringleaders of that. Uh, but he went back to Buffalo. Then he's had some other issues, and mental health has been in question. Like, Correct. not to laugh about it. it, was in Boca. Like, he was at a gym and was running Correct. around, you know, making some crazy statements uh, out there. So they brought him in, worked him out, and a barring, I think they want to take a physical, but if they would, they would sign him. I think it's a great hire. I think Richie Incognito is the type of lineman I would want protecting me. Linemen are a different breed. They're not usually the most vocal leaders on your team, but they are an identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why John Gruden paired with Richie Incognito is perfect. This is the Chucky side of John. Yeah. This is let me get Richie Incognito in here and let him be an influence on the rest of the offensive linemen. Nasty, toeing the line of if it's a penalty or not, yep. and just mauling dudes up front. I think it's outstanding. Yeah, you're selling me a little bit. <laughs> so you're saying, hold on a second. Yeah, uh, well, here's what I will say, and I say it all It's the time. a risk for sure. Antonio Brown, uh, or Antonio Brown, you get him for what you got him for. You think he's motivated? Um, worth the risk for me. He's that, he's that talented. And, in these professional leagues, you can't have all character guys. It just doesn't work that way. No, you're gonna you have to take. You cannot have a bunch of choir boys. It just not. doesn't exist. You gotta get talent. Yep. And if the talent outweighs the problem, that's an equation that you gotta roll the dice on sometimes. I don't know that Richie's that. But if he is that, then I'm gonna support it. Cause that, you, you can, you have a certain amount of slots. Like you got 15 slots, right? Then I need like, I don't know, 11 character dudes. 11 good dudes. Now, some of them have to be good players also. Some of them, they might just be there for their character, but it'll be a spectrum. Four of those dudes, I got to roll the dice on them. Right. Like four of them have, to, have to be go-getters, and yep. they might have some baggage with them, but if they can go get it, I'll deal with the baggage. So if Richie is one of your four that can go get it, I, I'm, I'm going to support living with some of that baggage. Here's why I think it makes sense, because he is 35. He's getting up there. Who knows how much he has left in the tank? It's probably going to be a cheap signing, and right. it's probably it's not going to be guaranteed. So if you bring him in and it's not working out, Pretty low risk. you just cut him. Yeah. Uh, and so you can bring him in there and, and try to get that. But I, I, I love it from a standpoint of an influence on the offensive line alone, because I think it is different. If it's a quarterback and have these this, I'm like, no way. What are you doing? That's crazy. Right. Offensive lineman, I don't think it's that big of a deal at all. Um, Nick Bosa was selected second overall by the San Francisco 49ers. He's taken a lot of criticism for his social media posts, which his agent took down for him. Yeah. Um, a there was a better flag on the lining of his jacket. That was Photoshop. Was it? See, that's what, that's what makes me irritated with our society. Today, yeah. Cause I saw the same picture yeah. and, uh, DJ Hugo, the comedian. Yeah. Put it out there. And then he's like, I know it's Photoshopped, but this says who he is. I'm like, well, that's not really and fair. Not a lot of people he, go correct. there, but he has. You know, some of the stuff is stupid. I think if you don't think Beyonce is a good singer, that's fine. That doesn't make you a racist. Right. If you don't think Black Panther is a great movie, that doesn't make you a racist. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there are other things where, and this is where, this is where you kind of connect the dots, which I think is a really risky and suspect thing to do. I wouldn't want to do it in my life, but some people would be willing to do that. He's liked posts on Instagram of other people's that had hashtags that were racist and homophobic, right? right. Um, and it, it was, you know, it is what it is. Like that's, that's the story which has been out there. Some yeah. people have labeled Nick Bosa as a racist. I try not to, unless I talk to a person or I hear, hear it come from their mouth. Right. I try not to judge people, but I think we do not do a good job of that in our society. I think people are just labeled something instantly and it goes there. So Richard Sherman, who is going to be his teammate, was asked about being a teammate with Nick Bosa, who potentially could be a racist. Right. Richard Sherman said via the Sacramento Bee, it's not something where guys are like, Hey man, what about what you said? No. 
No, if he can play, he can play. If he can't play, he won't be here. But at the end of the day, that's all that matters in football. Is he getting sacks on Sundays? Is he helping our team? Is he being a good teammate? Those are the things that matter. Now, if he's a bad teammate, that's something that we'll address. This is what I love about playing in his professional locker room um, is that guys will take you at face value for who you are. Now, if Nick Bosa comes in there and he's using the N-word, they're going to have a problem. Absolutely. You can't be a racist in a locker room. But they will give him the chance to prove himself. And that's something we don't do in our society. Correct. Um and it, it is that is cool about sport, right? Like you could come in there and come from a different place and have different beliefs and different backgrounds and still work together, uh, you know, for a common goal, which is to try to win a Super Bowl. Um, I think Richard Sherman also said that Nick Bosa has navigated his way through South Florida football. We live here in South Florida, right? It's predominantly black, right? Um, if he's figured out how to navigate that and not have any real trouble um, with people coming out and screaming that he's racist and this and that. I think he he knows how to handle himself in in settings like that. So I would imagine that Nick Bosa is going to be fine. I, I you know I am one of those people where you know my wife's not good at this. I don't have to agree with your political stance or anything like that. Um, to 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 know you and 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 have a relationship with you. I know what that relationship is. I know where I stand in that relationship. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't it doesn't separate me from you just because we don't view things the same way. Uh, and I think a locker room is that maybe that's the sport in me where I'm just like, look, you know, w- w- we don't have to agree. We're fine. We can work together for something. Our society can learn a lot from sports for sure. Canelo Bell back tomorrow.